You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Hello Wing Column podcast. I'm Jared Sandler alongside former Major Leaguer Mike Bassick. And I think this is the first time this year that we've gotten to do a podcast after a Rangers win, so that's always fun. Uh, we're going to get to your questions. You can always send them in at Sandler J on Twitter, at Mike Bassick on Twitter as well. But let's quickly talk about, I guess, the last few days. And one of the biggest developments, I guess, as far as the lineup's concerned, is that Jerks and Profar is seemingly out as the regular left fielder, especially against righties. And Ryan Rua has kind of moved into that spot. We'll get to the Rua portion of that in a little bit, but I'll tell you what. Jerkson Profar had quite the chance. From July onward, he was like a 150 hitter July yeah, last year. I know that he's 166 uh, 2016 after the All-Star break. There you go. So One home run. Just 45 at-bats. You know, I know it's only been three weeks of this season, but if you include last season sample, which I think in this case you have to, uh, it has just not been a, a good stretch for Jerkson Profar. And, I mean, I listen, I, I like the guy, but... I was more than ready for this change to happen. Same here. Uh, real quick, Jared, help me out. Uh, when is Hanser Alberto going to be ready? Because when he is, I would put him as my utility backup infielder and send Profar down to AAA so he can play every day. I think one of the biggest problems here is, is Odor punched a guy in the face. When he punched Batista in the face, they were not planning on Profar coming up anytime soon to the major leagues, but they had to, and he was hitting well last year. And then six, seven days into the suspension of Odor, and he comes back, Profar had a great six or seven days. Yeah. And then they kept him up for the rest of the season and once again stopped the development of Jerks and Profar. And at this point, you know, he's 24, he's getting into his middle 20s. I'm not giving up on him. I still think he can be a solid player, but at this point, I need another backup middle infielder to sit the bench and give Elvis one day off every 10 games, Odor, same uh, deal. And I need Profar to play the rest of this season in AAA. When you say he can be a solid player, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here because I, I agree as long as by solid player you mean he could be a 10-year utility player in the major leagues who – you know, if if one of your starters goes down, can be a good fill-in for three to four weeks, but not a guy that will ever, or I shouldn't say will ever. Right now, I don't see him as a guy you can give a position to and say this is your spot for the entire year on a good team. Okay, that's that's fair to say. I still think he has the ability to be a two fifty hitter with ten home runs a year and be an everyday middle infielder. But not, you think he could be an everyday shortstop? If his arm stays healthy, I, I don't know right now who the San Diego Padres shortstop is. Or I mean, I have to go to bad teams, right? But if I just think of teams that are bad teams, 
that don't care about really winning or losing in 2017. It's about trying to get good for 2019 or 2020 season. I think if he got sent to one of those teams, then maybe he would be better, but he was playing every day here and couldn't hit. That's why I say, even if you're the San Diego Padres, and I know they wouldn't do this, you'd send them down to AAA and let them figure out how to hit in the minor leagues instead of being right now, I was looking at this and I don't have the stats in front of me. He's better than the nine hole hitters combined in the National League, which is the majority, 90% of the time, your pitcher is going to hit in the nine hole. Then you'll have some pinch hitters in there that can eventually raise the batting average. The Rangers for the first 15 to 20 games was pretty much having their pitcher hit in the nine hole, except his name was Jerickson Profar and he was playing left field. There's not a huge difference so far between Profar and a pitcher in the National League hitting. And I, Profar's better than that, but. Yeah, I, I'm going to give him a chance. I still think he can be a, an everyday player in the big leagues, but not anytime soon because he hasn't played enough baseball in the last three That's years. Fair. That's fair. Uh, all right, uh, so with Jerickson Profar not getting everyday bats, basically if you missed this, Jeff Bannister said prior to Tuesday's game that they were going to make a switch, that they wanted to give Ryan Rua the opportunity to get regular bats for a few weeks. You know, whether a few weeks means from that point until when Adrian Beltre comes back or uh, two weeks or three weeks, because we can get into Beltre and what we learned about him. You know, I I don't know that he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, You know, I think it depends on how well Rua performs. I'm excited about this. I, you know, I I, I admit that I'm a Ryan Rua apologist. He's the guy for me who, you know, maybe I irrationally believe he can do things that uh, he's given me no reason to believe that he can sustain consistently, but I look at Ryan Rua, and here's what I don't think I am evaluating irrationally. He's a really good defensive player. Is he going to win a gold glove? I don't know. No, but he's a really good left fielder. Have you, do you agree with that? I think he's okay. Really? Yeah. Maybe I need to see more. Okay. I will say he's an average major league uh, corner outfielder, is, or at least left fielder. Is he better? So then what's the, just curious, what's the line of the <clears throat> shields? Average, but in different ways. Sure. Delino, when I watch Delino, and luckily it's really fun. I get to sit up there with you and get to see. I think uh, Rua gets much better jumps on the ball. Agreed. He sees the ball off the bat better, reads the ball off the bat better than DeShields. DeShields is just able to, and he doesn't get very good jumps. He's able to then try to make up for a below average jump on the ball with above average speed. And then if you want, at that point, that becomes about equal to me. And then Rua has a much better arm. Right. Agreed. So I will give Rua the advantage over DeShields comparing those two guys outfield-wise because I will look at you, and I can't say something to you because you have the mic and you might be saying something on the radio in a minute, but I'll look at you and be like, dude, <laughs> DeShields is not reading the ball off the bat yeah. at all. He It takes him until the ball gets – it's really weird to watch him. Until the ball gets to about the dirt in the infield – that's when he reads the ball, and if it's hit far, shallow, left, right, that's about when he picks up the read. Good outfielders, pretty much on the crack of the bat, have a good idea on where the ball's going. So, the Shields, I, and I, I would, I think my rankings of the left fielders go Rua to Shields Profar. Okay, um, Profar made some nice plays. I think my thought is that Profar made some plays where he had to dive because he didn't get good reads okay. either. Um, Plays that, that you'd like to see him make without leaving his feet. Okay. Uh, I think Rue's a good base runner. 
No, 11 for 11 stolen bases. There's something to be said about that. Yeah. Uh, but also, I also think it's a good base runner, you know, in non-base stealing situations. You. And then Profar, it's really weird because he looks fast. But he's not. But he's slow as molasses. Yeah. It's just like his body looks like he's going to be fast. But he, uh, Gallo's way faster than yep. him. Like, if you race him, you'd be surprised on how many yards in like a 50-yard dash. I bet... I bet Gallo would win it by at least five yards, and that's a huge, huge yeah, uh, margin. Yeah, uh, and so I think for me, it's just about whether or not Ryan Rue can hit, and really, it's about whether, whether Ryan Rue can hit righties, uh, because we know he can hit lefties. Yeah, but in order to be an everyday player, you've got to be able to hit righties. That that might be a yeah. conversation we have about Mike Napoli in a month. And uh, I think playing every day, I think uh, Banny's doing a good job here and kind of taking a little bit of the Bobby Cox. Uh, angle is that he's trying to. He tried with Profar. He gave it. He yeah, gave it twenty gave games. Yeah. Like, hey, I, I think he's doing a good job with Rua. Pretty much saying, at least I'm reading through the media, I'm not going to mess with Rua. He's the guy until kind of he proves he is or isn't. And I think that's going to be like a three week period. Yeah, and he's three for eight since you know getting that uh, that nod, so to speak, with a, a grand slam yesterday. So let's give him some more time. Excuse me. Let's <laughs> let's give him some more time uh, and see. And and even as the a big Orion Rule apologist as I am, if after three weeks he's not getting the job done, then you move on. Now it became tricky after last night because the line of the shields reminded you again how much of an offensive spark plug he can be. So you commit to Ryan Rule for a few weeks. Now where are you putting the line of the shields? I would tell you that, and I don't know that you do this for three weeks. But Friday, the Rangers face a lefty in Tyler Skaggs. Mike Napoli, I imagine, is going to start because if you're trying to put this guy in a position to succeed and get out of his slump, you probably are going to play him against a lefty. But if that does not go well again, I wonder if we see for a couple of days a lineup with Ryan Rue at first and Delano DeShields in left because you got to find ways to get Delano in. But I also believe that it is important to give Ryan Rua this chance because I think Ryan Rua can be a pretty good player yeah. for you. Not that Delino can't. I think Delino obviously can. But I think you need to kind of figure out what you have in Ryan Rua. Yeah. And I don't think, I'm also not saying this at the expense of winning games. Ryan Rua does things that will really help you win games. But Delino reminded us last night how valuable he can be. 35 pitches, six plate appearances, reached base five times, three walks, two hits. Stole two bags, made one bonehead base running decision in the first, but you know I'll take the aggressiveness or the aggression because I think it's going to be a net positive when all said and done. Tough question here. You brought up Mike Napoli. Do you yeah. think this is his last year of playing baseball? Man, I think this at this rate, it, it like at it's this kind rate, of how I, concerned you are because so far it's very concerning. But we're not even through the month of April. I'll, but I'm starting I'll, to feel like I'll tell you what's concerning. And I think this very well, if it's not his last year of playing baseball, it's his last year of uh, of being a an everyday guy. I could see him next year. Like unless if he turns things around this year, obviously it's a different conversation. But I could see him next year, you know, being a guy who starts against lefties. You know, if, if he can still hit them. Uh, what was concerning yesterday is that he faced, a, first of all, he faced a lefty. Specifically, he faced a lefty he had great success against, and he just still looked lost. I know. This looks like Boston Red Sox 2015 Mike Napoli, right. which is really scary. To your point, uh, Ronald Guzman, left-handed hitter? Uh, yes. Okay. So I'm just – this is probably the hope for the Rangers and maybe for Mike Napoli to stay uh, on the team next year. 
is Ronald Guzman has a great year in AAA. By the way, last I looked, he uh, was off to a good start. Off to a good start. I'm pulling up the numbers right now, but he was hitting like 385 a few days ago. So if that's your starting first baseman in 2018, and you still want to keep Napoli because you think he can do something, then maybe you could uh, have him as a platoon DH, to your point, platoon first baseman. But I just... It's so early. We've seen guys get off to horrible April starts and end up the season having a decent season. But, I mean, he swung the other day at a ball that almost hit him in his face. It was amazing. I was like, he made up his mind to swing at the pitch before the pitch even released out of the pitcher's hand because there's no way you would swing at a ball that is headed towards your face unless you've made up your mind before the pitch, I'm going to swing. And the people who do that, are either huge guess hitters or they get really old and their bat speed slows down and they, and they have to yeah. start way early. And that was one of those scary bets. I hope I'm totally wrong on Mike Napoli and that he can contribute and have 20-something home runs, uh, at least give you what Mitch Moreland gave last year. But so far, so bad with him. All right, so it'll be interesting to see how long that situation plays out if Mike Napoli continues to struggle. Uh, because I think you very well could see a situation where Joey Gallo or uh, Ryan Rua start to get more reps at first base. Gallo, of course, wouldn't happen until Beltre came back. Now, we get a lot of questions. We got some from you on Twitter. What's going to happen with Gallo when Beltre comes back? He's going to play somewhere. It's just a matter of when Beltre comes back, where the need is. Now, Beltre, in my opinion, isn't coming back until late May, the earliest. Yeah. Uh, it seems like, you know, as was reported yesterday, I don't know if setback's the right word. It just isn't progressing as yeah. much. Uh, so, you know, did they're going to be careful did, with this. Did he re-injure it in the World Baseball This is a different calf. Okay. You know, that this is the right calf. Yeah, people have asked me calf. that about, yeah. like, the stupid World Baseball Classic, and I'm like, I'm, I don't know the answer, so I can't yeah. answer. Different that. calf. Now, if he would have sat on his ass and not gone to the World Baseball Classic, would that have probably kept him healthier, sure, yeah. but he wouldn't have been sitting on his ass had he not gone. He would have yeah. been in surprise working out and participating in baseball activities in that capacity, and maybe he hurts it then. So, uh, Real quick, I know that you have been very high on Twitter with Joey Gallo's defensive production yeah. of late. Well, so let's talk about that. So we, we got to get into Joey Gallo on all sides, but let's start the defense. So I agreed with you. I think it was last time we did this podcast. I think we had slightly different opinions overall on Gallo defensively, but I agreed with you that I didn't think he had a great first step, which is normal for a guy his size. Right. I I, I don't know how to measure that, obviously, but I do think that he is a an above-average defensive third baseman, and he's, over the last week, made some really good plays and consistently made plays. You know, it's one thing to make some really good plays and then make some really bad plays. I think he's consistently made the plays and also consistently made really good plays. I can agree with you that I feel like he's gotten a lot better. And I don't know if that's just confidence overall at the major league level as he's having uh, way better plate appearances. Obviously, we see the home runs, but uh, drawing walks at a at a much better rate. I just see a guy that looks like he's playing more loose at third base and early on in the season through uh, last week, let's say. I felt like his first step was slow. He looked a little bit tight, a little bit stiff at third base. But to your point, Jared, I've noticed in this seven-game homestand that he seems to be more fluid, more loose. Um, And I think that's just come with believing that he really belongs here in every aspect of the game. So I will agree with you. I'm not sure if he's above average 
MLB third base defense, but I will say he's gotten a lot better from the last time we've talked. It'll be fun to keep watching him grow at third base because he probably has at least another month there because to start our podcast off, I was really excited about the way Odor was playing second base. I'm not excited anymore. Once again, I think we talked about it for a second last podcast. Odor's backhand is well below average. And I don't know why he has so much problems with backhanding the ball because I just think the hand-eye coordination, the athleticism, all the abilities there, I'm getting off on Odor here. But no, that's fine. I just need him to be a more consistent second baseman. And I, But going back to Gallo, I have seen a lot of improvement with Gallo where I feel more comfortable. When a ball is hit his way. Yes, and that if, if Beltre's career ended today, which it's not, and Gallo, you said, is our third baseman for the next five years plus. I feel more comfortable now after watching him this week play third base. So now let's get to the offensive side. He's got an OPS near 1,000. I know it's not even the end of April, but that's an indication of how good of a month he's had, even though some people still are trained to first look at batting average, which I think we've learned these days isn't maybe the most prudent decision right. with the way players are built. It's so real quick. It's so easy because in box score, they will give you everything. And then at the end of the box score, right. they give you the batting, batting average yeah. for the season. They don't give season. you OPS. They don't right. give you on base. So uh, so here's what's impressed me most about Joey Gallo. Obviously, the, the home runs in general, the way he hits them are impressive. But we knew that he could hit home runs. And I think that this all is a contributing factor to the success. But I'm going to give a stat that maybe will tell a, a story here. Joey Gallo has 12 walks. Six of those walks have come after he's fallen behind in the count one and two, as opposed to walks where he gets ahead 3-0 and and it's you know it's an easy kind of yellow light on 3-0 and they miss and you draw a walk. Like those walks, anyone can take. I could stand in the box, and if the pitcher's going to miss on three straight, I can get the walk. He has battled to get walks, and he's done a really good job of laying off of breaking balls in the dirt. I totally agree. And I've that's been, impressive to me. Yeah, and I think the scouting report, I wonder how long it takes to change the scouting report on him. Because you can tell, at least I can tell from every pitcher's report, get ahead and he will chase. You don't have to throw a strike if you get two strikes on him. In fact, don't throw a strike with two strikes because he will chase. And to Joey Gallo's credit, he's not chasing up as much. He's not chasing down and away as much. He's getting walks on one, two counts. And it's not that I will, I have noticed this, and it's not that he's fouling off a lot of pitches on 1-2 to then make it 2-2, foul off, 3-2, foul off, and then get the walk. It's the pitcher's scouting report is, all right, you did it. You got him to two strikes. Now throw three balls either up above the zone or away out of the zone or down out of the zone, and he will chase. And Gallo is doing an unbelievable job of not chasing, and I just wonder when the scouting report's going to change on him. Okay, you got ahead of him. You can put him away, but he's not going to swing at trash as much as you think. Yeah. All right, so we got some listener questions. I want to get to those. Before we do, I want to ask you one question here. And we're going to talk about Jonathan Lucroy. There's a question about him, so I don't want to get into him too much. But I'm of the opinion that while Robinson Trinos has had a lot of success, he is best used in this role as a backup catcher. That doesn't mean playing once every seven games. That could mean playing twice every six games. You know, yeah. I don't know. But I think if you were to make Robinson Trinos your primary catcher, which no one I think is actually considering, by the way. Yeah. But if you were to make him your primary catcher, I think he would 
kind of be exposed a little bit, numbers would come back down to earth. My question to you is with Delano DeShields. Okay. Is he best used in a limited role where he gets 50 to 60 starts a year because if he starts more, he gets exposed? Or do you look at Delano DeShields and think, this is a guy who can make 120 starts, 130 starts for me and be Mm. a really effective player? Great question. I am not ready to make a defined this is a yes or no answer yet. That's fair. I believe he still has uh, more time to develop and get better in his game. I've been really impressed with his spring training, with his body, that he changed his body back to a fast body instead of a strong body. Uh, Right now, I would lean towards protect him, but I still think there's ability because of that 2015 taking for Leonis Martin that maybe he could play for you every day uh, for the most part, giving him some days off against pitchers that he possibly struggles with. I th- I lean that way too. I lean that he could still be an everyday player right now. I'm just not sure where that spot is. Again, yeah. people are probably, you know, punching a wall saying, did you not see what he did yesterday? Listen, I'm not going to base it off of his best game of the year. He's not going to reach five times every game. If you tell me that we've got 2015 Delino back in full, then we'll find a way to yeah. get him in there four out of every five games. There's some pitching coaches or maybe even guys that scout pitchers that say, I know pitching coaches say this, take out the guy's best two games of the year, take out the guy's worst two games of the year, and that's the that's guy who he, is. Who, he, who he is. Now, for some people who are wondering, well, why did he struggle so much last year? You know, it's easy to say, oh, sophomore slump. There's always a reason why it was off-speed pitches. One thing he was really good at in 2015 was just swinging at fastballs, yeah. not only, but pretty much taking fastballs, swinging at those, and laying off the other stuff and forcing people to throw their off-speed stuff to him for strikes. They were starting to give him a, a higher dose of off-speed last year, and he struggled. He's going to have to prove he can make that adjustment. Okay. All right, so questions here. Let's start from Hayden. Uh, he wants to know, Basic, what do you see from Cole Hamels? Seems like he's turned a corner and has to learn a different way to be effective. I'll add on to that. Last night was the first time in his career. 272 starts of six or more innings. First time he had struck out one or fewer wow. in one of those types of outings. Uh, he now is, uh, man, I think it's like uh, eight strikeouts his last 20 innings or something like that. Seems like he's finding a different way to have success. Yeah, I agree with that. I was wondering this. Is he turning into, and maybe I don't know his Philadelphia career uh, this well. I played against him when he was really young. Is... Is he turning into Tom Glavin where if you can get to him early, you got to him? Because he struggled the first two innings. He was, I was like, oh man, like this is going to be a rough game. He's not going to have a long outing. And then after the second inning, Jared, it's like it kicked in and his rhythm kicked in. And I know the strikeouts weren't there, but as Glavin aged, it was always his scouting report, even early in his career, get to Glavin early. He's not going to have his rhythm. He's not going to be just painting on you on the outside part of the plate with two pitches and then every once in a while throwing in to keep you honest until the third inning. Once he gets to the third inning, guys, and you didn't get him, you're in trouble. And I wonder if that's going to start being Cole Hamels is like, hey, that first couple innings, because now wouldn't you agree he has to be more of a painter of of the corners and his breaking ball is still – I'll give it a a little above. He's not average, getting as much chase though, but not as not as good as it used to be. So he might have to turn more into a fastball changeup pitcher. And I've heard Cole Hamels talk about how he really, you know, he got to play with Jamie Moyer and wants to have like a Jamie Moyer type of career where he pitches into his forties. If he does that, he's going to have to be more of a fastball changeup pitcher and more of a painter uh, of the corners and really dominate 
his arm side uh, of the plate, which will be outside to righties, and then keep guys honest on the inner part of the plate. I don't know if that totally answers the question, but I was just no, thinking that's... that last night that he might have to turn more into a Tom Glavin-like pitcher. All right, so in 30 seconds or less, uh, I want to get through a few here. At Dude yeah. Rangers wants to know, what in the world's going on with Rugi, Lucroy, and Knapp? Let's just uh, talk about Lucroy here uh, in the interest of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, what I've seen is a guy who's not getting a lot of solid contact at the plate. And, uh, you know, other than his throw the other day where he gunned down Brian Dozier trying to steal, it seems like it's been a bit of a rough year for him defensively. Totally agree. Uh, I'm not willing to do this. If we get to mid-May, recheck with me that it becomes a 50-50 situation. I agree with you with the Trinos thing, not making him the everyday guy, but if you get to mid-May and Trinos is crushing like he is and we're still under 200 batting average, I think you go to a split. Okay, so from Chris, in a foot race between DeShields backwards and Napoli forwards, <laughs> who would win? Man, DeShields was, you know, he's a football player. He can backpedal, so I I think I might go DeShields. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll go with DeShields. Okay, so... From Corey, let's look ahead. Assuming no big signings, could 2018's rotation be Hamels, Perez, Mendez, Sadzik, Martinez? Who else is in the mix? Uh, Gerardo's in the mix. Uh, I hope that's not the rotation. That's a that's Eesh. not a rotation that's going to win you division, with no, all due respect. No. In fact, uh, real quick, Martin Perez is a number 4 starter at best in the major leagues for his whole career. You, you, you can take off a, a 1, 2, or 3 on him. To me, I don't think he's ever going to reach that ability. If you put him on other teams, and I'm talking the best rotations, he would have to compete in spring training to make the rotation and might be the long reliever on a few teams in the major leagues. Works for me. All right. All right, Mike, there you go. That's the Halloween Calm Podcast. He's Mike Bassett. I'm Jared Sandler. Thanks for joining us. Back next week.